Welcome to Racket. This episode, we bring you part two of Jeff, the sound engineer, sharing stories of his time in the world of politics. I worked for Blair um, for from before that election that they won the first one through to 2005. So I did about eight years where I was working for the Labour Party. And so you ended up doing basically his sound on events that were connected, even though they were in government, they have different people to do the sound for government. Um, but I was working ostensibly for the Labour Party, so we did a lot of events um, during that period. Was uh, that for like, uh, they have the Labour Party conference and stuff down here, was that linked to that? Or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the annual thing, but certainly on the run-up to that, um, that landslide election that they won, they started doing a lot of events all over the country. So they would they would do Q and A's and all that sort of thing. So I ended up doing that. I got the job completely by accident. Like most of these things happen that way. It's out of blue as well a bit because considering you were going through like touring and doing massive bands and then went to be uh, Tony Blair's son engineer. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a shift yeah, change. How, how does that sort of land on your lap? <laughs> yeah. well, I, mean, I, I know these things do come out of the blue, but yeah, what, yeah. what, was, the, uh, what was the scenario? Well, I, I, was, I was doing really loud bands and also I was working at a studio in London um, in Wapping um, and a guy who was, who was working there on a session just said he had a friend who was looking after these events that were beginning to build up because there was a bit of a... Major was going down the pan at the time and all that sort of stuff. And they were, you know, you know, getting found with oranges in their mouths and things like that. And um, that was the Tories, that was. Oh, right. Uh, It wasn't a fruit fetish going on. No, amongst other things, but that that was the Tories. And, um, And I just got asked, do you know anything about doing live events with a voice and it appealed to me because I was getting a bit worried about my hearing because I was working with all these loud bands and doing a lot of that and I thought well this might be all right and it's really well paid as well so I thought oh well you know let's give it a go and and so I got involved that way so that that started the events off and of course they won the election and so that was interesting to watch um, and then they just asked. They just asked me to carry on, and and they set up. They wanted to set up a media centre in uh, in Millbank, which is just along the Thames from the Houses of Parliament there, and do something there. So, bunged some speakers in there and doing the press conferences, which leads to other things. So you get to do an awful lot of stuff. You get to do. You see a bit of the background of it as well. But it was an interesting time because because. I never thought Thatcher was going to ever lose. I thought she was there forever. And it was all over. So they did. So there was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a thing in the country where everybody kind of got into it. They were conned, of course, but at the time, <laughs> at the time, they, they kind of all believed it, you know. So was that things can only get better. Yes, that was things oh, can oh only God, get I better. Remember that. Yeah, oh, with, no. with the great Brian Cox uh, <laughs> in mm. the band. And um, yeah, he actually came and did it live a few times at the uh, at events. Did he really? Is that Brian? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Brian wasn't in there by then. But yeah, but the uh, the singer was doing it. So so yeah, so so that happened, and um, 
it was it was very interesting. You got to saw you got to see an awful lot of stuff up close that you wouldn't normally get to see, and it's complete antithesis of rock and roll as well, which is is a good thing. How did you feel about that? This is like, it's such a change of environment for you from being behind a massive sound disc with thousands of mad screaming children, people, and adults, and going off their nuts to just doing a microphone for I think a, it's a exactly politician. The same, isn't it? I mean, I, I think my biggest question really is: um, what were your political views? Uh, I mean, you know, for me, you know, it, it would seem really hard for me to work for the man. But at, at the time, I. I you know, I was. I think I was more interested in what was going on rather than, rather than it being directly political. I was, you know, I'd been in as a union man anyway, so, you know, and I was sceptical of the Labour Party, even though I was sort of being asked to work for them. But at the same time, it's it's after Rock and Roll, it's kind of interesting, you know, it's sort of these characters that you see, and it's not that it's not that much different it's massive egos mm. you know they've all, they've all got massive egos and I find so that that's really quite you f- that that is quite interesting you're saying it's like they have massive egos to be yeah, where abso- they are absolutely and there's is it just it's a power kick a total power yeah kick? and there's a performative aspect to it as well um you know you watch the different styles you know you watch peter mandelson get quieter on a microphone to draw people in you watch people the best ones have a there is a performance involved they are told how to do it obviously they or not at the higher levels the 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 main people know what they're doing i think i think there's coaching underneath that right but you know to a certain extent especially at the time they were they were running off what they'd been doing and i mean the labor party comes from a a tradition of 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 a bit of shouting anyway, you know, so they're, they're kind of used to it by right. then anyway. So, so um, just touch on something um, uh, Jeff was, I think, uh, alluding to earlier. Um, it's more for broadcast. So actually you're... The, the thousands of screaming children, as you uh, put it... Only because they're the could, populace of the market industry. Uh, yeah, quite. Um, but it's actually very similar. It, but y- you've got upwards of six million people watching this thing that you've recorded. That's so what I'm saying. It's so actually the pressure's kind of, yeah. Well, the pressure's almost did identical, you, yeah, yeah, I, did, I think. Yeah, because the one thing being behind a desk in front of 500,000 people or 800,000 people, yeah. 80,000, whatever the numbers are, mm. versus there's no one around us than the, the people in the room, but knowing that you're nationally broadcasting, that's got to be huge stress. Yeah, it, it changes it changes a lot of the way that you approach it and then you you learn very quickly that you're paid not to make mistakes so you know you do your prep you make sure everything's working you know less kit to deal with but it all has to be fucking perfect yeah there there can't (laughs) be any buzzes you know you set up and there's a buzz on there and you've got and you've got the news camera people coming at you straight away because that's all there is. There's just one voice and and you don't want to buzz on it. So there's pressure from that point of view. Um, but then you listen very carefully to it. You also learn that the room, depending on what you're doing it for and depending whether you're doing it for the news or whatever, the room's not that important. And so you end up realising that your audience, you haven't got an audience in front of you really. You've You've got the idea that it's going to be the third or second thing on the news and it's got to run 
against what you're doing. So you check your gig by listening to the news or watching the news and make sure that it sounds as good as the last thing. So it's and more, so more that's, like studio etiquette, isn't yeah. it? It's more like a radio show then, I yeah. guess, yeah. that yeah. type of vibe. Or, or yeah. a podcast, perhaps. Yeah. Did they have podcasts back <laughs> yeah. in the day? I did. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> hey... They hadn't even dreamt of podcasts. That hadn't, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, you're just not going to make a mistake, and, and that's the pressure. So, you know, really, you do your prep and you make sure everything works, and, um, and that's it. But you do, meet, you do meet these people, and they are. And they are sort of, you know, they do run countries and stuff, but they're still only people, you know. With, They're still only people. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I get worried about politicians, yeah. especially the ones in power at the moment. Well, they're not necessarily very nice people, but they're still people. Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in uh, no. politicians, the no. government, the whole system. No. Um, <clears throat> you know, no. Uh, Someone's I, got to do it, but I think they could do it a lot better. I'd, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, it's, be and it's very awkward when, you, when you're... Political views aren't, aren't represented. It's, it's very difficult, but it's very interesting to see. That's why I asked you earlier, did you have any political views when you went into this era of working for the for politicians? I'd, I'd been a union member. I was a member. I was a shop steward in the TGWU. And, Were um, you a voter? When I have voted, I voted for the, the least worst possible objective, which was unfortunately the Labour Party because there isn't there isn't an alternative and that's and that's a real difficult thing but yeah if you you know if you want system change it's it's very difficult to you know you realize that you're working within this system and you kind of you know as much as you don't like it you just accept it or ish (laughs) (laughs) yeah but, if, but I mean, you know, the reason I left in the end was was over the Iraq stuff. I couldn't stand watching this, watching this, you know, watching these lies con- continuously. And and you realise how very very good they are at their performance. And you know, I'd be listening. You'd audience members would ask three questions, say, and you'd realise that they hadn't answered the question. So you're you're just thinking did nobody else notice that that they didn't answer the question and that they've changed it and that seems to they're very very good at that well they are yeah. avoiding Especially, stuff well we also tony blair is the person who did your most of your work for him for sorry yep. pardon me but teflon tony that was his nickname and yep Oh, what a motherfucker. He got away with everything, yep. man. And because he was friends with Rupert Murdoch. Yep. You know, uh, just like <laughs> the press and politics, uh, they're just nasty beasts. They shouldn't have sex with each, other, with each other, and they do all the time. And it's terrible. It fucks everything up. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they're, they're a breed unto That's themselves. No, they're, they're a breed unto themselves. And, and when, you, when you do see it, you realise that, you know, whatever language they're talking, they are a breed. You know, like a bit like drummers. Well, one question I was going to ask: Did you actually like any of the politicians that you worked with? Yeah, that's d- a good question. Yeah, uh, d- John Prescott. I've d- got to give props to John Prescott. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that. <laughs> yeah. he, d- he was he was one of the good guys. You know, he's an ex-union man, merchant navy. Well, you know, merchant navy. So he worked on the on the boats out of Liverpool dress well but he 
you know, was very much old Labour and he was one of the, the ones that they kept in position because he took care of a lot of the older voters who actually still had some sort of Labour values which were fast disappearing on this on this on this take Britain somewhere trip that they were all on. But but Prescott used to used to look after us properly. We we had to do these events and um the Blair events were very serious. They had the press involved and you had to be careful, you know, and that everyone was on their best behaviour. But John Prescott's gigs he'd have a jazz band with him, he'd have a few actors who were of a left leaning bent and uh he'd have he'd have some comedians with him and he would generally and they wouldn't let the press in because he couldn't be trusted to not call murdoch all sorts of things every time and he would just open with that and he'd go any any press in and they go no and he'd go fucking good job and so it would it would start from there really and um and you know when when he punched that guy it was it was a joy really and um and I, I can tell you the story if you please if you, please do yeah right. well okay you know because also you got to um, involve yeah. the fact that there was eggs yeah yeah well what um, happened was someone throws an egg at you you got to get a punch in the yeah, face yeah really. and basically what would happen as you got close to an election you would start splitting off into teams so i'd i'd been looking after john because he'd been doing some warm up and then i had to go and look after Blair's events. So I got my mate Phil to look after John Prescott. And it was his first gig that he'd done. And I get a phone call and, um, and I just thought, you know, something, had, uh, you know, he was just wanted to know where something was or something. And he just went, ah, he's, he, yeah, John's just punched this bloke. So I was like, okay, so, you know. So they turn up to Wales, this guy, who looks like a farmer, um, he gets paid 20 grand by the Daily Mail to chuck an egg at John Prescott. He got paid to do it? He got paid. That's the craziest part what? of this story, yeah. He got paid to do this. It came out later. And and John just just a straight left, straight in his face. And <laughs> Any hesitation? Just... No hesitation what? at all. That was, that was the beauty of it. It was just yeah. a reaction. Now, it's John... worth 20 grand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every fucking penny. Now, I'd have done it for four quid. Yeah, and I mean, John, John liked his clothes as well. He was a mod back in the day. He, you know, he liked, you know, soul music alongside his jazz. He, him and his wife were well-dressed and, and, you know, that sort of thing is pretty unacceptable. But obviously in the, in the game you're not supposed to do that so so he smacked him and um basically they were then on the phone trying to work out what to do um so my friend phil's enjoying all this and he's he's filling me in on it but they went ahead they did the thing in the evening they had to calm it down a bit obviously more press got involved in there but they didn't let them in um but so then they go back to london so Straight away, the Labour Party machine goes into action. They're working the phones. Um, they get on, and basically what they find now on the phones, from phoning around, is that 75 80% of the men just said, yeah, that's understandable. Uh, I would do that in that situation. And about 55% of the women sort of, you know, didn't find it as offensive as you would have thought. But out of this came the line, Oh, it's John. So the next day, we're in London. We're 
doing a press conference and it's a big thing. Now, John Prescott offered to resign. He, he said, I'll go, you know, can't do this, can't hit people, but, you know, we can, but I'll resign. So then you've got this press conference and basically the line that came out was, oh, it's John, which was picked up from the phones, from the phone banks. And, you know, it was just accepted and it worked and he didn't have to go. But that was a measure of the man. I mean, at the end of these things, he would have events for us. We'd end up at number 10. He'd give us a little medal. He'd just do get us really drunk. So you ended up at number 10? He's yeah. Had, he's, he's actually got half cut in number 10. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've got right at it in number 10. Yeah. And um, That and the Playboy Mansion, they're sort of... <laughs> those are both up there. That's <laughs> Opposite right. sides of the coin. But. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and ended up, you know, drunkenly leaving with, you know, sort of because because you can't normally take people along, so you, you never get to go with your friends, so that's hard. But because I'd got my mate working on the thing, I had a mate there, so that was great. So we could get hammered and uh, and get thrown out by the end of the night. And uh, we were just leaving. Keeping the rock and roll dream what, what, What's kicking out time at number 10? Well, it was about 10 o'clock, funnily <laughs> enough. But, but most everyone had gone. Yeah, yeah, but, well, you just keep drinking until they take it away, which is great. <laughs> what do they offer you? What kind of tipple? It was wine and beer. So, beer. you know, yeah. Oh, so, in the yeah. same glass. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, and we'd, you know, get a little photo as we're leaving. And and as we were leaving, I looked down the road and I could see John walking up and he was like, fucking hell, haven't you gone yet? Come on, you lot, fuck off. And um, <laughs> so we did. But he would also, at the end of tour, he would, he would take us for a drink in the hotel, if we were in the hotel. He wouldn't drink himself because he'd have to be up at six doing his thing professional yes absolutely and you know but he didn't mind he enjoyed the fact of getting a few beers in for you and he would and he would you know tell us stories about prince charles trying to make friends with him and and all sorts of stuff very odd stuff so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and elaborate on the really yeah, odd stuff yeah, yeah. The, way, <laughs> the way your eyes glazed over then <laughs> so, oh my god <laughs> I think I think that you know, I think it was just trying to make friends with him. I mean, could you imagine Prince Charles trying to make friends with you? Yes, and it's weird. You're right. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> it's just like a bad dream. Yeah, just mm. just awful. But you get to meet these people, and um, you know, you end up doing very strange, security heavy do's with loads of different prime ministers and what have you. And as you said before, you alluded to, you do the the yearly annual bashes, the conference season and what have you. Um, you know, I had to deal with Bill Clinton like on the one of them. parties that we've heard about. They, they kind of are. I mean, you know, Kinnacle end up singing, you know, and, um, you know, you hear some really bad singing late at night. But, you know, but it, it very much the, you saw the end of the old Labour and they were so relieved that they'd got in that the old, you know, the Kinnock lot and everyone, they just thought, thank God that's, you know, thank God we finally got in. And so they, you know, by that time they weren't, you know, Blair had taken over, so they were doing the singing and having a good time. So, you know, you'd, you'd see that. 
But well, um, you've definitely coloured him in a slightly different light to what I had before. <laughs> in my head, it's, uh, yeah. Have you got any highlights? That uh, anything like mem- most memorable political sound engineering experience? Let's uh, getting back to the uh, technical side of things because we've got to go into geek corner in a minute. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> beware. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I thought we had more of a run-up to this. <laughs> no, we yeah. can save that for part three. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, most memorable. Come on, most memorable sort of uh, political experience that you had had to. Uh, well, sound engineer. I don't know. Aside from the egg. Do you know what? Maybe I could uh, I could run in on this one. So my understanding is for for stuff at that level, um, there's mad security. Uh, protocols. Yeah, kind of so I'm, I'm guessing you, for a while, would have been cleared for some pretty high-level stuff. <laughs> well, there's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, d- yeah, and and do you know it? It it kind of happened by accident because we did the first lot, which was winning the election. And before you're in government, you don't really have much security. So because you're not important, um, so. Because I was then sort of kept on, um, I just sort of fitted into the background and people just sort of nodded yeah, to me. Part of the crew, so you, I, yeah, I we didn't, need that one. I didn't have to sign anything. Oh, really? uh, I was oh. never asked to sign anything. No security checks? or. I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine the, there was. sweeped and stuff, no? Yeah, I mean, you know, but I imagine, you know. They, well, they knew my address, so they can, you know. <laughs> that was good enough. Yeah. Oh, we are talking about the 90s here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they can look me up. I guess that's not the same agenda these days. Huh? Yeah, there's no internet, of course. Well, there's no, you know, there was no social media as such. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that kind of happened by accident. And by the time that I think they start, they started checking it in the later years, I think they already, they just thought, oh, it's, it's just him. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, but, but without actually any official security clearance, you still managed to wander yeah, into yeah. number ten. Yeah, still do. yeah. I mean, yeah. And obviously, the, you have to be invited for that, and your names down and everything. But I, I remember suppose. going into one of the toilets in number ten and seeing this sort of secret agent man checking checking how his gun looked under his suit. Like and the toilet. Yeah. Did, he give, you, did he give you a mint when he, he was, left? Or was he just pleased to see you? He was. <laughs> I'm sure he was doing that Travis Bickle thing of you. <laughs> Know, you know, looking at looking at me, but as I walked past him, I just went, "Oh, you can't see it, mate." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they, you need a the, bigger one. The cut of the suit wasn't great anyway. It was, you know, it's pretty standard M and S stuff. So it's Government not. Issue. It's not as if the the line would be interrupted. Mm. You know, if mm. you had sort of. You know, if you had Nick Cave in there, it would have interrupted the line of his suit. But, you know, these guys were just uh, not particularly well dressed. So uh, another little geeky one here. So um, I'm guessing you did a lot of radio gear for that. There would have been a lot of RF going on, I'm assuming. Um, you got your RF? RF is your radio frequencies. Um, So you're going to have lapels and stuff on them. Obviously, there's been a few problems over the years. People with wandering off to the toilet with with the lapel on still. Um, Are there any sort of work? At the time, were there any sort of protocols for uh, dealing with that stuff? Um, you've got to remember, this is sort of... 90s. Yeah, fairly early on. And so you're on, you're just on, you know, the open channel, basically. So part of your job is to talk to the people as you're micing them up and just going, 
this could just imagine that this is on (laughs) and it can be heard all over the world. And you just say that because anybody can come along and scan and pick it up. So that was part of your job is that, you know, you tell people to be quiet and you just say this microphone is on. Do not from now on say anything but yeah and and that's good advice for anyone with a microphone near them absolutely (laughs) especially today i mean (laughs) i mean dickie attenborough we were doing an event in cardiff lovely fellow and um and i said to him i said you know i'm gonna put a microphone on and i said oh i saw you in a film the other day and he just went it just went Oh God! Wasn't fucking Jurassic Park, was it? <laughs> and I just went, and I just went. No, it's Brighton Rock. And he just went, Oh, dear boy, dear boy. Oh, it's so long ago, so long ago. So anyway, he was lovely. But at the end of the gig, I was at the desk, and um, sort of gig had ended, and Dickie had to sort of go just before the end. I remember, and um, I sort of said to someone, has, "Has anyone got the mic?" and Everyone just looked blank. So I, I got the headphones and put them into the reserve and sort of had to listen to where it was. And all I heard was... <laughs> and, and off he went and sort of you know and still it, got that bit of kit and it was great and and so we when we got back to london i was like they were like oh you know is it dick is it you know i think he lived in kingston on set and i was like I'll go and get it. I want to go. I want to go to Dickie Attenborough's <laughs> house. You know what I mean? Because he's boy. It'd probably make me tea. And um, and in the end, his driver brought it back. But um, but you know there was yeah there was lots of things like that. And you would you know you could have stitched like you know you could stitch anyone up. But when Gordon Brown after Blair left and I'd gone when he left his microphone open and called that woman a bigoted racist and it got on the news and everything uh, my wife phoned me out it wouldn't have happened on my watch yeah. wouldn't have happened on my watch amateurs whoever did that amateur hour you know you cannot do that it's it's your responsibility i know you can say oh these people they should look after it themselves but it's your responsibility you know you 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 don't stitch up you make tapes and you do things that you want to do but it, you decide if you're going to stitch someone up. Well, but you, you have don't, to go out of your way. You don't do it by accident. Uh, yeah, you know? exactly. It's a very deliberate move to uh, record someone's private conversation, yeah. even if you've lapelled them and they've done it yeah. um, as a... Yeah, as but, you know, but, but part of your job, like, like I say, is to, to, is to tell people, you know, do not say anything. And, and, you know, I used to walk up to them afterwards and just put my fingers to my lips and just go, you know, wait, turn it off and go, OK, it's, it's, it's all right. It's yeah. all right to do. I think that's, that's one of the big things, isn't it? Because we are entrusted with some, well, mm. <laughs> potentially a career-ending <laughs> uh, bits of uh, Yeah, bits one of mistake can literally be the exactly. end of your career, especially mm. in that yeah. type sort of, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. Would you go back into it now if you got off into, <laughs> in this day and age of craziness? I don't. I don't think I would. I don't. No. I. I don't think I could. To be honest I with you, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I don't think I could keep a straight face, and I think it would annoy me too much. And um, yeah, I mean, no, it, it doesn't really interest me. I got, I got to see sort of a little period in time that was actually quite interesting when I look back on it, and um, that's that's enough for me. It confirmed my worst 
suspicions. <laughs> yeah, I think coming out of the Margaret Thatcher years into something new must have been yeah, quite it, dynamic. Yeah, I think it was. And I think, you know, I went to that that party, that famous party where they were all sort of singing, you know, the night, the election night. I got into that one because, um, you know... We were, you know, we were invited to that, and there were people waiting outside the party at five a.m. Well, know. like groupies. Yeah, it's sort of political, and you know, I remember walking out of there and just going, "Hey, it's you know, you've all been conned. It's all a fucking, <laughs> you know." And and walking home that morning, and it, and it was lovely that morning. It was really sunny. I walked along the river back to Wandsworth, where I lived, and uh, it was gorgeous. And I remember getting a call going, do you want to come to number 10 and wave a flag? And I was just like, I was... <laughs> like, I, couldn't, I couldn't think of anything that I would rather not do, I'd, you know. I used Nicely to always... Asked, yeah. yeah. Nice I used to say, when they'd say, oh, you know, are you a member of the party? And I'd just go, I'd rather sit on my finger, to be honest with you. <laughs> and join you lot. You have been listening to Racket. Roadies and crew keeping events topical.